the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon to you and welcome. Good to have you on board for the Thursday edition of Lifeline. Craig Roberts here keeping you company as we do every Monday through Friday from 5 until 7 p.m. Addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. All right, we got a pretty jam-packed program for you today. Coming up a little bit later on, Clay Allen is going to join us. We've been doing this series for several months now in relationship to sexual addiction, um, challenges in relationship to addiction to pornography, which we've seen a massive spike in, as you've undoubtedly heard us report, since all of the COVID-19 lockdown. And so how all of these issues impact marriage relationships, critically, critically important. Today, Pastor Clay Allen is going to join us. We're going to talk a bit about um, how to determine whether or not Someone that you know, family member, a spouse, may have an addiction, and if so, how to find help. We'll get to that conversation a little bit later on in tonight's program. Also, Alex Perry will join us from Vitucci and Associates, give us an update on the markets. We'll get to all that coming up later on, as well as, of course, traffic every 15 minutes to get you home safe and sound or wherever you might be headed, maybe just down the hallway safe and sound if there's traffic at home on this Thursday evening. Quick reminder before we get down to cases, coming up tonight, 7 o'clock, we will be airing the final presidential debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. In its entirety, commercial-free, uninterrupted, on our sister station, 860 AM, The Answer. And we moved it to a slightly more convenient time. So if you're worried about uh, dinner and being interrupted or heading home and you don't want to miss out on any of the details of the debate, then uh, make it a point to tune in 7 o'clock tonight on 860 AM, The Answer, the final presidential debate, as we are now less than uh, T-minus 13 days and counting to the general election. We mentioned uh, yesterday on the program about the ongoing KFAX virtual appreciation event for Bay Area pastors. We've moved to an online platform this year out of an abundance of caution in view of what's transpired with COVID-19. And the response so far has been fantastic. And I hope if you're a pastor listening that you had a chance to sign up and uh, join in for the sermon delivered by Dr. Robert Jeffress this morning. One week from today will be the final in the series during the month of October. That will feature Pastor Chuck Swindoll. And I'll mention as a sidebar, if you're not aware, um, some sad news. We got word late yesterday afternoon after the program had gone off the air that uh, Chuck Swindoll's older sister, Lucy, you're no doubt familiar with her. She's a very well-known author and speaker. Uh, She passed away yesterday. So please be in prayer for the Swindoll family 
And um, Chuck, as I mentioned, will be delivering the final in the series of Pastors Appreciation Events coming up one week from today. Details available on the web at kfax.com. And speaking of October being Pastors Appreciation Month, we've invited a pastor friend of ours, Pastor Sam Rohrer, president of the American Pastors Network, to join us with a bit of a look at this very topic. And Pastor Sam, always good to have you on the program. This is an important time, and I know that that, um, while pastors don't always vocalize this, the sense sometimes of working long hours, lots of stress, a sense of isolation, tremendous demand in so many ways can really weigh heavily on a pastor. And so taking some time, taking the opportunity as members of the people in the pews of the congregation to encourage a pastor and love on them is so much appreciated, isn't it? Well, it absolutely is, Craig. And uh, and uh, you, you summed it up a lot. a lot. Most people, I find, um, don't often think that someone that they... Uh, see up front in a visible position um, in the pulpit or, you know, any other visible position. I, I served in elected office for a long time. A lot of people think that, well, if you're in a visible spot like that, uh, everything's always together and, um, and uh, you always got to be smiling when you're up front, so they assume everything's fine. Um, but in reality, um, a pastor, in particular, that's what we're talking about here now, um, it is often a very lonely position. And, and, and the reason it is, most pastors believe that when they go up in the pulpit to, to preach, that there is an expectation from those in the pew that they are almost uh, perfect. <laughs> and there is a sense that if they're in, in many fields, that they cannot even be overly or too transparent, because if they said, well, this week, you know, uh, we, we had to fight temptation, I had to fight temptation, um, just like you had to fight temptation, they were afraid to say that unless somebody in the pew say, well, if you're fighting temptation, that must mean you're not spiritual, you're not qualified to lead. All of those things are not right, but they happen. And the result of it is many pastors are not able to express themselves fully. And believe it or not, most, most pastors in the pulpit don't have that many close friends. I'm, I'm surprised at how many don't have anyone uh, that's close at hand where they can actually bear their soul. They can talk to them. Most of the time, they, they're not being open with their own deacons and their elders. They're not that they're hiding things, but they can't feel like they can fully express unless they put someone in the congregation, perhaps in a, in a tough spot, and so they, they, don't, they don't speak. The result is they can be lonely. They may not have accountability and uh, the way that they need and the result of that is we need to pray for them even more. And we're, of course, we're told to pray for those in authority over us, uh, for they watch for our souls. That's what a pastor has, a big responsibility. So uh, having a month like this to really think about appreciating our pastors is very, very, very important, although it needs to be something that we really do every every day of the year. Is it more important even now, and I ask that question because that increased sense of isolation, as so many churches have been trying to work under lockdown and uh, limited uh, congregation size and things of that sort, so now suddenly the pastor is not only trying to figure out ways to effectively minister to people that he knows are there, but maybe oftentimes can't be in contact with directly or physically, coupled with, and here's the one thing that everybody forgets, we might be good at 
tithing every Sunday, supporting the church. We go there. We know there are bills to be paid to keep the lights on, keep the air conditioning flowing, maintain the facilities, all of that. But if you're not showing up to that building every Sunday, you might still consider yourself a vital part of that congregation. But remember that some of the expenses related to that building will go on no matter whether or not the building has got full capacity or you know as few as a dozen in it. And I would wonder if you couple the isolation with the challenges of ministering under COVID, along with some of the financial pressures, just how difficult is it for pastors to do what they do right now? Well, it's, uh, I think what you, what you cited is absolutely true. That is true. And, and I would even take a step further and say that uh, there are many, many, many pastors who actually, through this whole year, um, have had a burden put on them that um, they have never faced before, and that is citing the things that you're talking about. When people are not there, there is often the wonder, all right, what about what about the tithes that come in? Are people going to stop doing that? And there's a, there's a double concern. If people are not there and I can't see them, I'm not seeing them like I am, what's happening to them in their spiritual life? That's a major concern for the pastor, and you don't. It's harder if you're not actually seeing people. That's one. The other is, as you said, the expenses still go on, and and as we know, now we're you know almost eight months into this scenario across the country. At in most churches, now there are exceptions to it. Some churches have actually grown, but they're the they're the exception. The majority of churches are still at this point. If they are meeting, and, and across the country, most are probably meeting, but they're, they're probably less than 30%. So they're less than 30% down, so less than 70% of their, of their people are back. And there's a very, very strong sense, as we're finding across the country, that a majority of them may never come back. That is a major concern. So there's a spiritual concern. What is happening to the vitality of my congregation, my flock, my sheep? And the other is almost a little bit of survival. Um, are we going to have enough to maintain the staff that we have, the the buildings that we have? And those are the kind of, those are the kind of thoughts that have not really gone through most pastors' minds. So you take the address to the other things we talked about. We really, really do need to reach out to help, to encourage, and to pray for those who are needing. Yeah, the the job has become uh, in the last uh, six eight months exponentially more challenging, and so that time of providing additional encouragement to a pastor, because as you state, it's not just the 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 um, the aspects of ministry that's more challenging in the day of COVID, but when you add to it a congregation that dwindles, and as you aptly point out, there are some people that have gone away from church and may potentially never come back. And so all of these issues coupled together make it enormously important for we in the church to bless and encourage our pastors, especially now and especially during Pastors Appreciation Month. I would encourage you to be praying for your pastor daily and maybe pick up the phone once in a while and just say, hey, pastor, I'm just calling to say I appreciate you, or I'm simply calling to say, um, I'm praying for you, or is there anything I can do to help you? And that little effort alone will probably go so far toward providing so much encouragement at such a critical time. Because in the end, as we encourage our pastors, we only allow them to 
do their job and in many respects provide them the kind of encouragement and in support that they need in order to do the most important thing that they do, and that is shepherd the body of Christ, meaning turn around and as we give to them, they give back to us ten times over. Our appreciation to Pastor Sam Rohrer for being with us and information available on the web at AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. That's AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. I'll remind uh, pastors that they may be eavesdropping on our conversation that uh, during this Appreciation Month, uh, we've got the usual giveaways. I mean, no, they're not quite exactly the same as uh, coming to a nice hotel and having a complimentary luncheon and walking away with a bag full of books and things of that sort. But there are some goodies that you can uh, be registered for to win, including a $2,000 technology upgrade that KFAX is going to be giving away to one fortunate pastor, and uh, we leave it up to you. That might mean new hardware, new software, a little bit of both. Really depends on you. And so pastors become automatically registered to win that and other prizes when they sign up for the KFAX virtual pastors appreciation event. The final installment will be one week from today. It's been going on all during the month of October, every Thursday. Today, as I mentioned, the keynote speaker was Dr. Robert Jeffress. One week from today, the final event will be featuring Pastor Chuck Swindoll. Details and reservations on the web. Reservations, no cost to get in or or get access and uh, enjoy all the resources available, but you do need to sign up, pastors, at kfax.com. That's kfax.com. All right, 517, a look at traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation as we progress through the Thursday edition of the program. number of things going on in the world of money, and we're going to take a look at them right now. First off, an update on how we ended the day on the markets. Joining us is Premier Financial Advisor with Vitucci and Associates, Mr. Alex Perry. Well, Alex, it's been kind of an Eeyore time the last week on Wall Street, and I suppose we'll see more of that heading into the election, at least over the next uh, 10 days or so, a little less than two weeks before the election. How do we end up today? I mean, it was pretty flat all week. We saw some lows in the early part of the week, and it kind of finished okay, just kind of breaking even, a little low at the end of the week, but pretty much just kind of, like you said, a seesaw up and down all week going to this election. As you see, uh, Tuesday, we saw kind of some priced-in volatility, maybe the markets factoring in a Biden win, and then kind of sounding back as we see this kind of back and forth as the market reacts to who do they think is going to be winning, be it a Trump or a Biden victory. And that certainly makes sense. I mean, the, the market's taking a wait-and-see attitude in, in large part because they don't like surprises. And we know certainly, as we've seen, the churning over the last, uh, my goodness, nine months or so that has been a relationship to direct response of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, clearly, the markets like predictability. They like a sense of stability. Uh, toward that end, is there any sense uh, in trying to kind of, and I, I know this is, Alex, almost trying to read the tea leaves, but is there any sense in terms of if it's a Biden win, will the markets really go crazy? If it's a Trump win, will the markets celebrate? Do we have any handle on what the markets seem to think about all this? I mean, historically, when a sitting incumbent president, especially Republican, is replaced by a Democrat, the markets usually 
react pretty negatively, as we've seen with Biden, some of his uh, his tax, pol- tax policies, as we've seen reported that, you know, California residents could face taxes as high as 60 percent if you're in the over $400,000 earnings tax bracket. So companies are looking at that, individuals are looking at that, and they're kind of anticipating, okay, which one's going to be the best on business, be it a Trump victory, you know, he touts, you know, lower taxes, more, you know, more jobs, and Biden's looking to do essentially maybe more shutdowns. So there could be some negative response for a Biden victory versus a Trump victory there. But at the same time, that's all hearsay. We don't 100% know, um, as you said. We can't really read the tea leaves. We're just kind of going with the punches right now. And it seems every day yields a different result. So it leaves a lot of... Uh, volatility in, in this continuous like speculation that we have. Sure, and, and to be sure, undoubtedly, one of the biggest factors leading to a lot of that volatility and the, the market speculation, not just the contentious presidential election that we're facing, but the outcome of the impact of COVID-19. And it's been everything from um, businesses that are largely online that have managed to uh, survive, some tremendously thrive, and then more conventional so-called brick-and-mortar style businesses, particularly those that rely on many customers at the same time, maybe a movie theater, a, a restaurant, a gymnasium, business models of this sort, that are all suffering uh, pretty badly right now. But th- their their pain is is felt uh, in some respects across the board, I was reading, for example, that uh, airline industry continues to uh, to pretty much be uh, be buffeted by all this in a significant way. Um, some that are saying, you know, we, we don't really anticipate a recovery until well into 2021. And a lot of that's going to be reliant upon not just people feeling safe in the air again, but a, a, a resumption of business related travel. That's a great point. I mean, the ripple effect of COVID is not going to be really fully realized until probably the end of next year. And that's something that, as an economist, you know, by study, it's really fascinating. We lived in such an unprecedented time that we don't really have much to look at to say, okay, this is how, what sector is really going to be affected. Because look at 1918 when the Spanish flu happened. It wasn't an airline industry. There wasn't as much global connectivity of trade through e-commerce. Like, there's a lot of sectors that have emerged in the last 100 years that didn't exist back then. So we're literally, we're literally living in a case study. Um, so it's really hard to look at how badly a lot of these businesses are going to be affected. You mentioned the airlines. Um, I believe American and Southwest have had 50% capacity pretty much going through this last year, if not less, at the beginning of the year when the pandemic is really raging. Now look at also the commercial realty space. As people move away from brick and mortar wanting to move more towards online, a lot of these large buildings are going to be left vacant. And sure, uh, commercial realty has longer lease terms, so they might be a little safer in the short run, but initially people are going to be exiting out of that lease. Look at that Pinterest situation that happened a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, months ago, um, that they canceled the lease of $89 million. They took a haircut because they don't really see the need to have so much space. So as companies move more to working from home, the realty space is going to be, especially the commercial realty, is going to be really negatively affected. And kind of looking at that going to 2021 as we see more foreclosures in the horizon, in my opinion. Wow. So much more to be uh, in the horizon for investors to anticipate. And some say, well, gee, uh, if this is difficult for the experts to figure out, how can I 
be expected to manage my 401k or uh, maybe a little IRA money that I've got set aside here, or uh, maybe I've been trying to save some money for a child's education and trying to anticipate where to move next and, and how to make sure that I'm making the most intelligent decisions in relationship to what's best for my retirement plans, that becomes very complicated these days. Toward that end, how can you and Vitucci and Associates help folks in that quandary? I mean, it's looking at the the short-term and also the long-term strategy. Obviously, the short-term right now is volatile and unpredictable. We're not going to be able to really, you know, I don't have the crystal ball be able to understand what's going to happen tomorrow, be it the elections happening, not the elections, the, uh, the debates happening tonight. So the market could really negatively respond to another terrible presidential debate as both as, you know, the market kind of lose any confidence in both candidates. But when you look at the short term versus the long term, that's when you really need a financial advisor. We're putting in strategies not for the next three months, but the next three years. Sure, our strategy evolves with the client, but there's also a compartmentalization of a strategy into the short and the long term, where we have some more passive money that's going to grow conservatively. We have some more active, aggressive money that might be you know, more prone to volatility, but also more prone to some more growth. So that's kind of what is something you need to have your conversation with your advisor, understanding kind of a you know, bucket strategy of some long-term money, some safe money, and some now money that we can maybe ride the coattails of some of this volatility and capture some more gain. And of course, at the end of the day, it all requires active asset allocation and management to make sure that you are staying on track when it comes to retirement planning, um, how you anticipate your money to grow based on the timeline toward retirement, what the need is going to be like, meaning do you want a, a retirement that's sitting at home watching soap operas all day? That's okay, but there's a big difference between that kind of retirement lifestyle and one that says my wife and I, my husband and I would like to be off to the Cayman Islands every year or uh, traveling Europe on a, a world cruise uh, once a year. If that be the case, then there needs to be a strategy in place. Too much for you to handle and wrap your mind around? That's why Vitucci and Associates exists. To help individual retirees and folks heading to a retirement just like you and me make the right decisions for our financial future. Want to know more? Why not take advantage of a complimentary financial health and retirement plan review? Free for the asking. Simply go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. And Alex Perry will be more than happy to sit down with you in person and, of course, with the safe social distancing at any of the Bay Area offices of Vitucci and Associates or easily do it online or over the phone. Again, to schedule your appointment, go to don'tinvestandforget.com or call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-PLAN-WISE. That's the market update. Alex Perry, Premier Advisor with Vitucci and Associates. Be sure to catch Don't Invest and Forget Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock on our sister station, Business Radio 1220 KDOW. 531. Let's get a look at traffic for you right now from the KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. 536 here on the Thursday edition of Lifeline. You know, they say in order to change your habits, and that might be either um, eliminating one that's not so healthy, like uh, bad diets, right? Or developing good ones, like routine exercise, that it takes on average about 30 days to develop a habit. 
But there are other types of habits that kind of sneak up on you. You didn't really set out to develop this habit or to nurture it. It just kind of happened. And sadly, as we learn from our next guest, those habits can quickly devolve into addictions. Those addictions can be relationship-destroying and, in the worst-case scenario, even life-destroying. Let's get some insights now. Clay Allen joins us, founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry he had founded with his wife, Susan. Information available on the web at avenue.works. And you know, Clay, it's interesting. We, we talk about developing good habits over the course of 30 days. I wonder how many people that today would even struggle with trying to identify whether or not they themselves have a habit or an addiction to pornography that would say, you know, this is not anything that I ever set out to develop, but it seemed to kind of creep up on me. And now that it's here, I don't know how to break free. Yeah, that's a great question. And it is sneaky. And it's amazing how fast it happens. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because back in the day when you and I were growing up, we had magazines, right? Uh, this day and age, it's all electronic. And back in the day, it took uh, quite a long time for the cycle of addiction to develop in a person's life because of magazines and so forth. But with the electronic age, literally, this process starts so fast, it's hard to even comprehend. It takes about half of one second for your brain to start to release some very powerful chemicals when you start looking at pornography, for example. And it goes directly to your reward system in, in the area of your brain. And then it demands not just more, but different. This is what's so incredible about pornography uh, when we start watching it. And people all over the world have uh, 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 testified to this, that you don't just want more, but you want more and different. And that's the accelerant that starts to happen. And this is actually designed by God for good reasons within the context of marriage. But what's incredible about this is your point that, yes, it sneaks up on us. And then all of a sudden we ask, or somebody asks, uh, you know, are we addicted? Is this compulsive? You know, and, and what are the uh, elements of that? And so as we've helped thousands of people, we, we actually put four, four of these together that are pretty easy to identify as to whether or not somebody is compulsively addicted to, to sex or pornography and these sort of things. And real quickly, what they are is compulsivity. That's the first one. It person, looks like the person's out of control, Craig, but what's really interesting is the person that's acting out is absolutely in control in his mind. Obviously, he's not, or she, uh, as the case may be. And, and, and you see this compulsivity manifest itself in multiple attempts to stop the behavior and make promises to oneself or to others to stop the behavior, and of course it never does. So that's the first of, uh, of four that we've identified. Uh, the, the second is continuation. Despite ne negative consequences to things like relationships and per perhaps the person's work or finances and health, the person just continues to do it. The tractor beam is that strong. It's that powerful. They just completely blow apart everything else, and they go after it uh, with a passion and with a, a very focused attempt to, uh, uh, to uh, continue in their cycle and compulsion. The third is preoccupation, where it starts to distract from relationships. It starts uh, shortchanging careers. We see people getting fired or demoted. It steals time from other pursuits. And lastly, but not least, 
there's this tolerance uh, where the escalation takes place in a person's life to the point where they start to actually have to actualize. They actually have to do something, typically with another person, to uh, to progress through this uh, more indifferent in their mind to the point where they get the same feeling of their, their initial arousal. And this is the very dangerous part because this is where you see people get hurt. Uh, they get involved in other people, young people in, in particular, as well as uh, the opposite sex, maybe same sex. could be all kinds of different things. But these are the four things that have to be uh, present in order for somebody to be compulsively addicted uh, from a sexual perspective. And, of course, what's so insidious today is the fact, and you alluded to this earlier, that way back in the day, uh, it, it was uh, access to a certain magazine rack at the back of the store that usually was kept covered by the uh, by the proprietor or the merchant with a little brown paper bag or maybe into a uh, seedy part of town that nobody ever really ventured into. So you had to actively go out and pursue it, and uh, and you had to do so under slightly challenging circumstances. Today, I guess the big problem that you must run into is people that wind up getting pulled into this vortex that maybe really never had any intention to. But unlike back in the day, today, uh, you don't have to go find the pornography. It finds you. And once it finds you, it's capable of following you around, isn't it? It absolutely is. In fact, um, every person who has a cell phone has porn in their pocket, and it will find them uh, through text, through phone calls, through web all kinds of different ways, unless, of course, you have your phone blocked, uh, like uh, a lot of people do, which is recommended. But, yes, it will seek you out. And the way that they do this is very clever. They, they use uh, words that you've used in your search engine to uh, look for particular things, and they see a pattern, they have algorithms, and then they pursue, pursue the person's, uh, the user, in this case of the cell phone, uh, with a passion. It's outright uh, belligerent as to how they go after people with this vile material. And I will tell you, the onslaught in our country, in North America, uh, uh, started in the month of March of this year, and it's not given up. The, the amount of porn consumption poured into people's lives has never been higher than right this minute. And, of course, many of the pornographers took advantage of that very reason. Why? Because we've got people that are locked down, people that are not going out, Behaviors have changed because of COVID-19, uh, maybe greater degrees of, of uh, uh, sense of isolation. And so, once again, if you don't go looking for it, it will find you, and it will smack you down and grab you. And as we suggested, it can develop into a serious habit that becomes an addiction before you even know it. With us today is Clay Allen, founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry. Information available online at avenue.works. That's avenue.works. Think of .com. This is .works, avenue.works. You can also call and get some insights and advice. Um, it is completely anonymous and safe by dialing toll-free 877-326-7000. That's 877-326-7000. We'll take a brief time out at this juncture. We'll get you updated on some traffic. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the signs to look for if you're concerned that perhaps your spouse is hiding an addiction. That, as this edition of Lifeline continues. Right now, it's...
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Just reading a couple of moments ago, more than 35 million ballots have already been cast in this year's general election. Speaking of the election, tonight at 7 o'clock on our sister station, 860 AM, The Answer, we will be carrying the uh, final debate between Vice President Biden and President Trump. That will be commercial-free, uninterrupted in its entirety. Tonight at 7 p.m., again, our sister station, 860 a.m., The Answer. We're visiting today with Pastor Clay Allen, founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry. And again, information available online at avenue.works. That's avenue.works. We've talked about how um, certain habits we have to work hard at developing, like proper diet or exercise, things that are good for us. Interestingly enough, there's something about man's sin nature that allows the development of bad habits to happen with far less effort, quite easily, in fact, in some cases. And those habits, when they turn to an addiction, can be lethal, whether it be an addiction to substance abuse or, even in the case of our discussion tonight, an addiction to pornography that can be ruinous on relationships. And perhaps there are some listening right now, Clay, that are wondering, how do I even know? I mean, I have suspicions about some of the behavior of my spouse, but how do I really understand whether or not there's a true addiction going on here that he or she may need some serious help for? That's a great question. It was answered uh, profoundly by my wonderful wife, Susan, who lived through this uh, uh, hell, uh, no no, uh, no exaggeration here, but she lived through it, and she was restored by the Lord, and she has helped thousands and thousands of women come to grips with this uh, issue in their life and uh, come out the other side restored by the Lord. She's made a list, it's quite extensive, of uh, characteristics and behaviors, and I'll try and distill it down to about a, a dozen. We'll call it the dirty dozen here, I suppose. But uh, uh, I guess there comes with a little disclaimer that um, if you recognize or check off any of these, uh, you know, half a dozen or so, or even a few of them, it's um, it's not a verdict. Uh, it's certainly a cause for concern, but it's not a verdict. And uh, I would recommend anybody who has you know any of these checked off in their mind as we go through them. Uh, to get help, uh, get into our resources. Uh, my wife has uh, provided just tremendous amounts of great information on our website in our groups for ladies and, and men. Uh, uh, we have resources that will help them uh, restore their relationships and their hearts. Uh, the first one is, now when I say he in this, uh, I suppose uh, in our culture right now, it could be he or she, because right now while we have Depending on the survey you look at, 60 to 75, maybe 77 percent of men involved in wrong things sexually with pornography. We have something between 35 and perhaps 40 percent of women uh, with the same exact behavior. So when I say he, um, it could easily apply to her. So he has unaccountable time away from home, uh, works late, travels often, he won't commit to a set time to be home, and is uh, defensive about his schedule. This is probably one of the biggest red flags that uh, exists because it takes time to get involved in pornography, and it's absolutely time-consuming. Secondly, his schedule uh, has changed dramatically. Uh, perhaps he used to spend time on the weekends together. Now he's always away, 
either working or perhaps involved in some other activity, perhaps it's sports. Thirdly, um, he's very private or secretive about uh, his cell phone, his computer, any other types of electronics, and certainly his finances, because these are all uh, tools, if you wish, of the compulsion uh, and necessary in order to be involved in something like this, because it does eventually cost money. Uh, fourth, uh, perhaps you discover he has another cell phone, uh, completely different than uh, the one that you know about. Uh, maybe he has a new email account. Maybe he has all kinds of different things that are hidden he didn't even tell you about. And it, by the way, it's not work-related. That's a, a direct red flag at that point. Uh, perhaps he spends a lot of time on the Internet uh, refusing to use uh, a filtering service or a blocking service or a service that reports ab absolutely everywhere you've been and how long you've been there. Um, he's often on the computer, for example, during normal sleep hours or early in the morning. This is a serious red flag because uh, I would also say that a lot of pornography is consumed during work hours, um, and businesses have and are getting smart about this, putting... Uh, uh, filters and blocks on their computer systems as well. But uh, that that's a major red flag there. Uh, another one, which is um, a little bit more subtle, is that you find some unusual receipts or phone numbers or phone bills or credit charges, and you start wondering, hmm, what's this about? And uh, you start to uh, get mysterious about it and start to investigate that. Uh, seventh, he has uh, unpredictable moods or anger or depression. This is almost consistent with uh, this problem. Uh, virtually 100% of uh, the people who are compulsively addicted to pornography have this going on in their lives. And, and the most important part of this is that uh, the other person who is questioning this is blamed for his unhappiness or anger or shortcomings. Um, eighth, uh, a sexual interest in you has either gone to one end or the other of a spectrum. Either he it is waned and he's not interested in you, or interestingly enough, it's increased radically or dramatically. And then during, of course, the sexual experience, he's distant and mentally preoccupied, leaving you feel uh, used, perhaps dirty, wondering what that was all about. Uh, another one is that he demands certain sexual performances and gets upset when uh, when you refuse. He wants you to dress, dress a certain way, groom a specific way, act a certain way, uh, speak a certain way. And, of course, you find this uh, quite degrading. Uh, one of the uh, other things is that perhaps he's changed his looks or style or hair or cologne and uh, exercise habits over a relatively short period of time. He, of course, is doing this to uh, interest other people. Uh, potentially speaking, at least. Uh, perhaps you have a lot of debt, and he's either unconcerned about that or he's in complete denial uh, about the financial situation that you find yourself in. Uh, another one is when you question him about these things, you get the response uh, that you, you, the one asking the question, are crazy or you're jealous or you have a vivid imagination. And this is quite insulting and quite uh, sad. Uh, because it's a deflection mechanism to try to not deal with reality. I'll throw one other one in there, uh, which is um, uh, you regularly uh, consider whether he's lying to you or not. You can't really tell what the truth is, and, and you suspect that he's not telling you the truth. You know, my wife has written these, uh, has something on our uh, website called 20 Questions. It's absolutely profound the way that she did this. She has all these questions, 
and ways in which you can find answers to these along with what she calls the big questions. You know, should I end the relationship? How can I stop hurting? Why am I enough for, uh, for him? All these answers that, that she helps women find uh, for herself are instrumental in that woman coming to grips with reality and also to eventually and, and purposely heal and restore the, the woman and, God willing, the relationship along with it. But these are devastating signs, Craig. And uh, like I say, if, if somebody hearing this uh, can start checking these off, it's not a verdict, but you need to get help uh, for yourself and for the other person. I would encourage uh, for the person that you're uh, suspecting this of, they need to get help as well. And amazingly, so often, uh, once things have entirely gone south in a relationship, meaning now you're you're on the skids, you're facing the, the prospect of divorce or already there, suddenly you think back and the pieces of the puzzle begin to fit together. And yep. now the behavior, the sneakiness, the unexplained absence, the long hours, the business trips, all of this suddenly make more sense. And, you know, this isn't to suggest you ought to become a spy, but you need to, eyes wide open, um, face certain realities. And, um, you know, you may be in a situation where you're just not sure what to do. You may perhaps feel embarrassed that you're not sure where to go with this. So if you determine that there's an issue, who do you talk to? How do you get advice? You're afraid to make a false accusation that could be ruinous on a marriage relationship, reputation in the community, things of this sort. Well, the good news is that organizations like Avenue are there for that very reason, to help you work through the critical questions. And then if indeed there is a conclusion that your spouse is dealing with an issue here, or maybe you personally, that there is hope, help, and healing available in a completely confidential manner. You can get more information by going online to avenue.works. That's avenue.works. You can also, with confidence, call toll-free 877-326-7000. That's 877-326-7000 or again online at avenue.works. Our thanks to Clay Allen, founder and president of Avenue, for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. Approaching the 6 o'clock hour here on this Thursday, we're going to take a time out, get you updated on some traffic, take a look at some headline news, and then back with more, hour number two, coming up around the corner. To get you around that corner, here's the latest from the KFAX Traffic Center.